The final season of Power Book 2, Ghost, begins. And for Tariq St. Patrick, it's the moment of truth. In the wake of being betrayed, pushed out of the drug game, and almost killed, Tariq is out for revenge. Will he prove to be like his father and do whatever is to be done to protect his family and his future? Or is he his own man? Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now only on Stars and the Stars app. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR. 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. This is Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., a production of The Black Effect and iHeartRadio. I'm Steve Smith Sr. And I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut to it. Cut to it. Let's get down to it. Cut to it. We ask the questions you always want to know, but no one ever asks. Let's cut to it. If you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's on. Moisturized today, man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, yeah. yeah. Super Don't, don't put that. You try to blame it on the. Yeah. We need to take this from. Do we need to start from the beginning? No, I'm oh. keeping that. On. <laughs> right. Hitting in the second season, man. It's really uh, it's super excited. Uh, but wanted to start off some. Um, man, I had the opportunity. Went back to Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, watch my watch my Utes play. Uh, Weber State. Weber. Why Weber State? And, um, the head coach is Jay Hill, who actually used to play uh, for for U- University of Utah. He was there when I was there, so it was really cool uh, to see him. It was cool walking into the stadium. They said, uh, we haven't had fans in the stands since 618 days. And I was like, wow, you just forget. Mm-hmm. Probably about two or three weeks into um, when we were decided we were going to go back to uh, up to University of Utah to see a game, um, and and see Angie's parents, man. Um, I'm a believer, and I also believe that those uh, little things inside, those those little voices, if you're quiet enough, when you're sitting in a car, on a run, or doing something, um, I believe that's God just you know tapping you on the shoulder, tapping you on the heart, whisper. And so you gotta have those quiet moments. I went to University of Utah from '99, 2000, and we, you know. Growing up in growing up in L.A., moving to Utah for college, uh, being a, a a young dad on scholarship. Man, let me tell you something. Scholarship checks ain't what they used to be. They used to be tough, right? And so um, we had Pell grants and financial aid, and you know, 
Well, no NIL back then, huh? Man, no. there wasn't no NIL. <laughs> there was no NIL. It wasn't no NIL. Yeah, you know, it was NIL for it, it taking meant them loss. <laughs> it, meant, it meant nil. Taking Zero them loss. It meant nil. <laughs> yeah. So one time um, we lived on 4301 Twin River Way. That was the apartment where we lived there. Peyton was real young, and I remember around this time, we only had a few, we had like one or two diapers left. And Angie's looking at me, and I'm looking at Angie. And we're just trying to figure it out. And it's like second or third, you know, actually second week in the month. Scholarship check ain't coming until the end of the month. Not a lot of options. So I know, you know, I'm going to do what I know I need to do. So I, um, I told Angie, I said, hey, make a list. What do we need? So make the list. I unscrewed a license plate. We had a Ford Focus stick shift. So I get in a little Ford. It was a green Ford Focus. Get in a stick shift, uh, two-door. Get up early. Unlo- undo the license plate, and I drive up to the, uh, this place was called Harmons uh, on Redwood Road. So I go up to the Harmons. It's about early, about six fifteen. I go in there, man, and um, I got my list. We need Pampers and wipes, but we need a whole bunch of other stuff too. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm do what I do. If I'm get caught, I ain't gonna get caught stealing one, two, three Pampers. Shit, I'm go out big. So I load up the cart and I go shopping. Man, I get steaks. Chicken, wipes, everything. And I walk straight out the out the store. Load it up. I ain't got a bag in sight. Load up, trunk, speed off. I couldn't get in the fifth gear fast enough, dog. <laughs> I probably went from one to three. <laughs> Killing the clutch. Killing the clutch. So I go home and I run upstairs. We just live on the second floor. Hey, hey, hey. Bring the clothes, bring them, babe. And Angie, like, what, babe, what is this? I'm like, just grab stuff and put it in. So I go in there, we bring our stuff in. And what's the point of this story? I'm not trying to make light or trying to, you know, I ain't no snitch, but I also believe in, you know, you got to give a context of who you are. And season two, moving forward, man, I want to give context of who we are. Uh, who I am, who you are, who backstage Joe are, all, everybody that's with us, just context of um, sometimes you look at people and you see them and you, you don't understand their story. Um, and so I tell that story is probably about a week and a half before it's my t- time to get on this first class flight. Lord, like, uh, you ain't going to pay this back. You know, it's it been a while now. You'd been to Utah a few times. You'd been honored. You're in the Hall of Fame, Pac-12 Hall of Fame, you this, you that. But you ain't paid back what I let you get away with. So, man, I went to the bank, got cash. So we looking. Um, so we back there, and we looking for Harmons. Harmons is no longer Harmons. Harmons is Utah's version of Aldi's or Piggly Wiggly or Food Line. It's actually changed into two different grocery stores now. Mm. So I go in there and I'm asking for a um, 
I go in there. And you know, when you're trying to make right, you know, God is going, he's going he to stretch you. He's going to press you, see if you bail out. Yep. Right? So I go in there, you know, I got my Utah hat on and you put these glasses on, though. No, you know, okay, do got cameras. <laughs> Man, and so I put the glasses on. I walk in, and he going to say, boy, you better take them glasses off. Yeah, you're trying, you're trying to do the shortcut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, so I took my glasses off, and I asked for the manager. Mm-hmm. So I walk in. I think it's called Macy's or whatever it's called now. Not Macy's like the store, but I, I know I'm saying it wrong, but whatever. It, the point of it, it ain't the same store, technically. Yeah. So I'm off the hook. <laughs> no, no, you're not. But no. go ahead. I Proceed. know. I know. I'm not. I'm just telling you what's going through my mind. Can you? Can I? Can I talk out loud and y'all? You know, hear me, right? So I'm like, hey. So I, you know, and so I was, hey, can I speak to the manager? Yeah. So like, oh, what's it for? I just want to speak to the manager. Uh, John, uh, John, to the front, please. John, to the front. So it's probably only like 40 seconds, but you know, it feels like yeah. 10 minutes. Yep. Man, John, at lunch. So I'm straight, right? Or so you think. Boy, don't you. Boy, don't. Boy, no. Now, at this point, was it a more audible voice or was it still that quiet voice? No, this thing loud. It's audible. Yeah, I want to make sure. I knew it. Hey, Ninja, don't you move. Yeah, yeah. Heart just racing. Yeah. Oh, boy. Out of breath, like, you know. I ain't ran, but why is the altitude making me short of breath? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me get the assistant manager because John is out. So they bring the assistant manager up. So I got my mask on, right? And I said, well, um, so I go to explain what I'm doing. Mm. And the first couple of things were, well, you know, I had, or like, man, just quit playing around. So I said, sir, I took some things a couple of years ago that I shouldn't have. He goes, wow. You know, so a typical, rational person. He goes, hands on his hips. So what did you take, sir? And I went to go explain, and I just said, I took some things that I know I shouldn't have. He goes, well, was it in the, (laughs) and I knew this was the Lord having, he said, was it in like hair products? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why He was like Was it you know What particular section of it You ball headed (laughs) Got that S curve Anyway So I'm like Nah I took groceries But I took out stuff I wasn't supposed to take So uh, I had the cash I gave it to him And he said Wow We generally don't get people Coming back To pay for what they took and so I did that, and it was over, and I walked out. Man, what was crazy is the buildup to doing it was so much more than the, than what I experienced by doing it. When I walked out of the store, it was like a weight had been lifted because it was, I think it was crazy as prior to us going there that weekend, Bro, I haven't thought about that story ever in my life until probably, you know, a couple of weeks before we left. Mm-hmm. What's funny about that is when you actually did the act of the uh, borrowing of the goods, 
you weren't as nervous as going back to have a conversation about he, what you did. He ain't borrowing because he ain't bringing it back. I know. I'm just, you know. <laughs> that ain't borrowing. <laughs> and hair product. Some spritzer or something. But just doing doing that act because at the time, you wasn't doing it to be funny. At the time, you wasn't doing it, you know, with your guys or with your teammates as a, as a joke or as a hazing. I mean, you did it because you need to take care of your family. Mm-hmm. Not saying that's right or it's justified. However, you going and doing that, you were just trying to take care of your family. Well, now, because I had the luxury of hearing this story, we had spoke at an event, and Steve had told this story to a bunch of college guys, and that wasn't the story that they thought they were going to get. They mm-hmm. thought they were going to get the Agent 89, the, the how I broke down a DB, but he had that audience. You could hear a pin drop in there. Mm-hmm. And just that messaging to even pay it back to that store, but... The cash you gave, of course, and I think if I remember correctly, he was going to put it into their grocery fund that when indigent people had come in, when they're in a situation like maybe young Steve Smith was in, hey, I got this in my back pocket. Let me take care of this young individual. So he's going to be helping out others as well. Yeah, It was just tough that for me it was the stare in the face of a company you did wrong. Even though the original company – Long gone. Yeah, you gotta let go of the fence to seize the opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So that was um, that's what I experienced, man. And it was it was it was uh, I want to say it, it was just different. Mm-hmm. And it was just say one of those uh, one of those reflective moments. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think the other thing too that you said that was profound is sometimes you have to go with that voice. That's the small little oh, so whisper. Quiet. Because that's often the one that is the one you know you gotta. That, be that's the real to. voice that's of reason. The, that's mm-hmm. that's the one. It's it's that one. It's now over time it becomes so audible that you have to move. Yeah. But you have to listen when it's that small like, and it's right there in the back of your mind too. It's never you gotta really turn fun. everything down. You, have to turn every, you, gotta, you gotta listen to that yeah. voice. That voice has always been the one that I'm like, all right, I gotta be obedient to that one because I know if I'm obedient to that one, then when I get to the future. And that's then everything's going to be taken care of. So I, that's that's the most profound part that you listen to that to that small whisper voice. Cause that's always the one, always. Yeah. I don't know about that store manager voice though. Like <laughs> hands on his hips. No, he was. He was like, "Well, what did you take? <laughs> what? <laughs> Yo, was it hair products or was it you know?" And I'm like, "You know, you know damn well ain't no hair products. Hair products. products. <laughs> oh my bald headed ass." Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why you look at my hat when I said that? Yep. You, I mean, you the, you the one covering up like it's a red toupee. No, I... That Billy I, D. Williams the back Billy, in the day. Billy D. Williams. Y'all finished? No, not really. I keep I going, know. right? <laughs> Who we got? Coming up on the Cut To It podcast, we've got Arian Foster, a four-time Pro Bowl running back for the Houston Texans and Miami Dolphins. He was first-team All-Pro in 2010, and he holds the Houston Texans franchise records in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. Arian Foster on the Cut To It podcast. I appreciate y'all having me, man. I appreciate it, man. You look good. You look all healthy and vibrant. Healthy is relative, man, but I'm doing all right for myself. Relative. Yeah, Yeah, what do you mean it's relative? It is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, ups and downs, life be happening in everybody, but life be lifing out here, man. Ooh, life be lifing. I like that. Our first segment, it's called Get Iced Up. There are random icebreakers. Smitty has random questions. We have no idea what they are. Smitty, go ahead and give him the first one. All right. What, make, what makes you most frustrated? 
Uh, irrational people mm. or just irrational thoughts um, that like people believe things or do things like off of impulse or just off of strictly feelings without like really thinking through why they do or think that way. Mm. So uh, does truth exist without evidence? Philosophical question. Um, <laughs> it's icebreakers. Does truth exist without evidence? Yeah. Yeah. As black men, we can say, yeah. Huh? <laughs> I, well, I got I got a follow up on that one. How do two people agree on what truth is? Well, it goes back to my the shit that bothers me. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, I, th- I mean, I would think. I mean, not to get all super deep on the, from the first minute, but mm-hmm. if it's literally what's going on in our country, like is what's going on in our country right now, is if two people can't agree on what truth is, uh, that's when you have the discord or uh, the dissonance, right? So it, you have to uh, uh, agree that there has to be a methodology, or yeah, a methodology in order to get the closest to truth. Because when you're talking about it philosophically, you can only learn things to be true to a certain degree. Like there's no absolute truth, and this is getting a little deeper than I anticipated. But so you have to agree that the degree in which we're, we're calling something true um, has to be uh, derived from like a methodology. And if we can't agree on that methodology, then there's really no point in us even having a conversation. Exactly. Mm. Leads me to what does success look like to you? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> now this is one of the better questions in the world. Like when you, like when you talk to young cats, right? When you talk to young cats who have all these dreams, goals, and ambitions, it's one of the things that I always tell them is like, make sure you understand and define your success because you're always going to be chasing that rainbow. Like there's always a bigger car or a better car, a bigger house or whatever can be so defined what your success is. And so to me, success looks like a healthy, happy family that um, can get to get up and enjoy the day without having to worry about uh, society's woes. Well, you know, that ain't real life then. Wow. I'm just being honest. Like that is, yeah. that, that's, that, that's a, um, you talk about methodology, man. That's a mindset in which uh, a lot of people find um, extremely difficult to mm-hmm. process, to, uh, and I, I personally believe, especially with the 14, ages 14 through 25, 95% of those uh, people, um, are leading to suicide. They 95% mm-hmm. of our suicide rate right now from 2016 to currently today, 14 through 25. And, and, and that is exactly has to do with what you define success, right? And some, mm-hmm. and, and social media defines success in a, uh, in an unrealistic and almost kind of, you know, and we hear this in football perception is reality. Right, mm-hmm. what people perceive you as is what they believe you are, even though c- contrary to belief and evidence that would show. Right, I just did a podcast. This is father podcast, and he asked he asked me about um he asked me about some some questions, but then he said, "Why do you do your podcast?" And I said, "Well, I do it because I want to give people an opportunity." to reveal who they are outside of their role because I had a speaking engagement which a guy waited till after the speaking engagement and he said you know as a as a young he was older he was an older gentleman and he said uh you know 
I, res- I respect you. And as a, as a, as a man, as a young man, I really admire how you've grown because as a football player, I particularly didn't like you. And I really wasn't sure how to take that backhanded compliment. But what stuck with me is he took my role or my job and formulated his opinion of who I am as a man and as, a, as, as, an, as an employee of the NFL to say or disqualify me in every other area of my life because of how I play football. Mm-hmm. And I just found that interesting. That's that's the world we live in though, man. Oh, I know. Uh, I know. But if we do that <laughs> yeah. to them, if we do that to them meaning someone else, oh, they're offended. You know, le- leave a bad review on a on 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 something that they work at. Oh, they get they they get their socks in a tizzy. <laughs> <laughs> right? Imagine if we started Leaving reviews at the person at the register at a at a bank or or at a store, and just start saying, "Man, great, great store, horrible service," and then start name dropping. Talking about you about to be a Karen out here, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, listen, I've had a lot of time on my hands, right? I've had a lot of time on my hands, so I started, to, you know, I, I just started to think about. It. I was like, what if? Hmm. I love Cut To It, and I, I love it even more when you download us and subscribe. And you can follow us on social media, too, Smitty. Where where at? That's at Cut To It on Instagram. What about Twitter? At Cut To It. Facebook? Cut To It featuring Steve Smith Sr. What about online? And you can follow us at CutToItPodcast.com, where you can buy merch, and you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. I got all my answers. Question. Um, I got all my questions answered. That's what I'm here for, brother. Cut to it. Podcast.com. The final season of Power Book Two Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough. But these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? 
These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. Where you living these days? I'm still out in Houston, man. Uh, I got all my babies out there, so um, until they, uh, until they, you know, are out on their own and experiencing the world, I'm gonna be there. I got a foot in there at least. All right. How has life been for you for the last 18 months? Oh man, well, split with my lady, and I think that was like one of the first times where. really experienced heartbreak because mm. before I think I had been um I want to say a womanizer man but like I played the game a lot right and so this is the first time where I was really like invested in uh, a family like that mm. and so um long story short um yeah experienced some heartbreak to where it was like really transformative and it kind of changed the way that I viewed things kind of changed the way I looked at myself and um you know in the midst of it just kind of figuring out um uh forgiveness and trying to meet people where they at instead of where I expect them to be. And that that's that's been really helpful. So we always started off this way. I love ask asking it this way, you know, where are you from in the place you call your hometown? Grew up at Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um went to high school in San Diego, so I kind of rep both. Uh, both kind of rep me. So uh I call both home. Okay. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> How would you describe your childhood? <laughs> uh, chaotic, but um, but fun. It was chaotic. Elaborate on that, if you if you if you dare to. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up. I mean, it's nothing a story nobody's heard before. But I grew up in a domestically violent household. Uh, grew up in poverty, um, and so kind of navigating those waters and and trying to um, hold on to a dream you have as a kid, it gets, uh, you know, it gets dramatic. (laughs) There's just a lot, a lot of moving pieces. Um, a lot of emotional baggage you have to work through uh, in your latter years that, that you were unable to. Um, and then, you know, the family dynamic that comes with that as well as being a breadwinner in your family from somebody from first generation wealth to, being able to manage all of those relationships and, and the expectations that come with that um, friendship. So, uh, yeah. Man, I read something that my, my, my research team gave me, which was really good. And and I want to park on it. Um, you were raised in an Islamic household. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my father was Muslim. Um, uh, I believe he was raised uh, Catholic. Um, but whoa, 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 his whoa, life, whoa, yeah. whoa. You, you can't just say that casually and then scoot over it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was well, I, well, so, 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 so when I, when I say, when I say Muslim in the house I grew up in, it was, it's not the like traditional Eastern Muslim, right? It's more so the uh, Americanized um, FOI, Fruit of Islam, Minister Farrakhan. Like mm. it was that sect of Islam. 
that I grew up underneath, um, which is basically the same thing, except that they are a little more um, politically active and politically motivated. Mm -hmm. So like in order in order to 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 be in the FOI, like you have to have a very good foundation and you have to understand your black history. You have to understand uh, your Bible. You have to understand your Quran. And I think uh, growing up in that household, which obviously I'm not a Muslim anymore, but I grew up in that household that allowed me to um, get a, a good root foundation of religion mm-hmm. in general. Because I think if you're if you're born in a from my experience anyway, but if you're born in a Christian uh, home, if you're born in a Catholic home, I grew up around a lot of Christians and Catholics. Uh, th- they're not really necessarily interested in other religions, um, but when you grow up in that household that I grew up in, we are. And it's it's more so to understand. It's also uh, they intersect, right? So, uh, not to get too deep into it, but you can get in, as deep as you want, Paul. I bet. Yeah. Uh, Whoa, <laughs> uh, Jesus, Jesus in the Jesus in the in a in a Christian mm-hmm. um, belief is the last prophet before yep. God is supposed to have come back. In Islam, uh, Muhammad is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus was a prophet in 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 Islam. And so they view and love Jesus like a prophet, but they just don't view him as divine like Christians do. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of healthy respect and love for a lot of the teachings that Jesus brought uh, from the perspective of uh, a Muslim. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, like I said, growing up in that household, um, it allowed me to kind of get, a, excuse me, allowed me to get a kind of a, a baseline understanding of, of the world religions, the major world religions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how I navigated my uh, theological belief system was kind of trying to understand it all. Um, and I mean, that journey took me to an entirely different place, but I think the root of it was 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 necessary and not being pigeonholed into this is the truth because we say it's the truth and and anything else you're going against the family, you're going against. And that's, that's kind of what I ran up into when I went to college, when you go to college. Um, this was like pre-internet days, real internet days. Right? There was internet, but it wasn't like it is today. But this is this is when, where you were from, like that was the culture there. Like yeah. now, the cultures are kind of melding together. Some of the them, internet. some some, yeah. some of the cultures, or who who allows them, who if yeah. you allow them to 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 melt together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a whole other conversation. But um, uh, so, so let, let me to, let me let me ask you this then, because. But, What's funny is, you know, as I'm sitting here listening to you and hearing you talk, I can also see, you know, you were always considered a guy who, who, who thought well beyond his years. You were always thinking. You were a thinker. And by the time you were, what, 15, 16 years old, you had the ability to have a complete, well-rounded education of black history, a complete education of uh, the Muslim uh, culture, and then also obviously other cultures as well. You're living in um, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. That that in itself is a uh, unique dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can imagine feeling out of place and being and and, and sticking out uh, would be an understatement. Yeah, that's kind of been my experience everywhere I went. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. And it wasn't anything uh, purposefully. No, done. you I couldn't. Yeah. It just is. Yeah. I, I hate to say it. Uses word. It's happenstance. And I was going to ask: yeah. Do you do you run from that or do you embrace it? Well, I used to run from it. I think when you're a kid and you're kind of developing 
who you are as an individual. And, you know, you, you, your people can tell you, you know, be yourself all you want to, mm-hmm. but still there's that social pressure to, to fit in. Have, you want to yeah. have friends, you want to mm-hmm. have, you want to have ladies, you want you know what I mean? And so yeah. I, I think when you're younger, it's viewed as a liability to your personality, but as you grow, what you start to learn is it's a, it's an asset yeah. and, and you use it as so. And so mm-hmm. I never, I never, I don't like it now too. I'm grown now. Like I don't give a shit. But <laughs> when you when you're growing up, like it's, it's harder to, Mm. like like when everybody around you is christian like everybody around you is christian and you're muslim it's like that that dude's a weirdo and it's like you have to defend that without yeah. even um it's it's not you're not the aggressor but you have to defend it you know or else or else it's just constant it's a constant barrage yeah. on, on top of that where i grew up around predominantly um my earlier years i grew up around a lot of like mexicans a lot of mexicans so you the outcast in that sense where you're black and so you got to defend your blackness to to, yeah. to all these mexicans right and then you get around the the brothers and sisters at that age you have you almost right? too black no no you have <laughs> black. So my mother my mother my mother was mexican right so okay oh so man. i grew up so, I, so I grew up so i was like <laughs> nah, nah, nah. well see that's that's the type of shit they used to say but uh, but now nah, so so then you're not you're not black enough, right? Yeah. And so and so it's always fighting that dynamic socially until one day I just realized like fuck these people, like I don't like fuck these people, couldn't care less. And and that 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 in itself is attractive when you're unapologetically yourself. That's that's when people come and say, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it's just a life lesson you have to you have to go through to learn. I had asked my wife because my wife is uh my wife's from Utah. She grew up Mormon. Um, but she's obviously married to me with four kids, so she ain't Mormon. <laughs> and I asked her a question to ask you just based on being raised one way and living and experiencing life another way. And so, uh, so shout out to Angie of, of giving me this great question. I can't, I can't take credit for it. Um, but she said, uh, as you've gotten older, have you recognized any patterns or ideologies that were passed down from you, to you from your uh, young age that you catch yourself having to correct now that you're older? That's actually a great question. Um, I, 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 I married up, so that's why. That's why. <laughs> <I'm married. laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> uh, no, but um. The reason why it's a great question because it is not necessarily applicable to me. Yeah. But I see it everywhere I go, right? So my mother, for instance, like she was raised Catholic and she was she would probably consider herself agnostic now. Mm. Um, I don't want to misquote moms, but uh, but she was like super raised Catholic, like back she I think she was born in 59. So like when like used to do something at the you know hey, law hey, in the school hold on, and the no. teachers used to slap you with the rulers and shit. You, huh? Hold on. You, you can't be telling your mom the year <laughs> when she was born, bro. She's gonna, she gonna run this like back. She, hey, she she owned it, man. So I, I know mom, she owned it, but she don't want you owning it for her, uh, though. <laughs> put mom's on front. She said, mom, apologize. You was born you was born in 89. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but um but yeah, so she grew up in like in like in a Catholic mm. system where like they used to like hit them, they, like they had permission to hit the kids, yeah. and, like that. and so like she has residual uh, because she's not a believer anymore in that sense. Um, she's unsure about the higher power thing, but she's like uh, she has residual like 
man, I'm afraid of hell. Like she's super afraid of hell. Mm. Like, and so like sometimes she says it's guilt. Uh, and we always, you know, we always, we always joke about it, but the one gift that I, I am extremely grateful that my parents gave me. And I always tell people this all the time is they, they gave us the freedom to be ourselves. Mm. They gave us a foundation of a religion. Like this is what we believe is the truth, but like you're your own person, go find it. If it brings you back to what we believe in, mm. that's amazing. If it doesn't, that's also amazing. Be who you are. And they gave us a foundation um, and they taught us how to think and not what to think. Mm. And that was the, that was the gym that my parents gave me. And they, they gave me the freedom to explore without feeling um, shackled by, by their belief system. Oh man. Sometimes I, I back in my childhood, I used to, I never experienced that because I never had to go through it. It's like, we're praying. If you want to join us, join us. Like, this is how we pray. This is what we believe in. And for years, I, this is what I believed until, you know, I, I, I found my own path and my own journey, but um, I was very grateful for my parents because they, they never looked at me differently throughout my journey at the end of my theological journey to this day. They just like, as long as you're happy, man, that's, that's all. You know, we that, want. So that was the gem that they gave me to me. That's, that is the goal, the life mm-hmm. goal of a parent. Yeah. You as a father, you as a mother, your goal is to have them prepared for the world, to live in the world, to be a productive member of society when I'm gone. Like when, I'm, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm dead, if, if they can they be a good human being and, and be productive and take care of themselves and take care of the loved ones, like then you did your job. Let's talk about that, though, because I'm, I'm about to throw a monkey wrench in there. Go ahead. All right. Because, you know, uh, we've all done, you know, obviously me and you, we've done football camps, right? You go to those football mm-hmm. camps and you see little, uh, little Ray Ray, <laughs> right? Little Ray Ray out there. Ray Ray ain't nothing but like nine. Uh-huh. And you see those parents out there screaming and hollering. And little Ray Ray's going to take care of me, right? And I just know for myself is I've done so many football camps or been to games and I started to see those parents who are talking about Ray Ray or talking about John. John is going to make it and leave. He's going to take care of his mama. Right? We we look at sometimes sports in a way as an outlet. But I guess so. I'm asking you because I think you're a great guest to talk about is we shortchange ourselves, especially in the lower-income community. And I think the lower – he's saying that lower-income – it's important to stand and stand with color. Lower income, we look for our son and daughter to make that opportunity in sports. But we don't invest the same energy in the school books, making sure little Ray Ray, little John can read, can write, can count. And I'm asking you two gentlemen, why do you think that is? The reason why we don't invest into our children's education is because it's not as um, our neighborhoods and our our communities don't have the infrastructure that other communities do. So they don't have the after school programs. They don't have the STEM programs as prevalent as they do in uh, other communities. Correct. Um, And there's a whole bunch of societal structure issues. Oh, absolutely. As to why. Yeah. but uh, that's like from the outsider perspective, from the insider perspective, uh, which is equally valid, equally important, um, is Minister Farrakhan used to actually touch on this. It's like when you look at black people in America, they don't there's no natural resource that they have here. Right. In order to develop wealth. And you talk about 
why some communities are more poverty stricken than others is because they have been denied access to uh, uh, having wealth in this country legislatively. Like mm-hmm. we talk about redlining laws, you talk about all this yeah. kind of stuff. And so uh, he used to talk about how our athletes and our entertainers are our natural resource because wherever the culture moves is where we move or wherever we move is where the culture moves. I'm talking about in entertainment in America, right? And so uh, that has kind of been a real outlet in in our communities is you can make it like this. You can do, you can can be uh, a musician, you can be an athlete, you can be an entertainer. And that has been a real pathway, especially growing up, like Mm -hmm. you say, you grew up in LA, you, you see a lot, you probably know a lot of people that, that uh, were athletes or entertainers that, you know, quote unquote, made it. And I think that becomes like almost a, a viable expectation um, to at the very least, you can pay for your own college. Like I don't have to, as a parent, pay for your own college, right? Because we're out here struggling. They're like, talking about as, as a parent, like we're out here struggling. Like you can provide for yourself in that manner if you focus on your sports. And so school is like such a long game. Like mm-hmm. even if you do get a full ride, as as a in, in, in academics the degree in which you get like there's no guarantee for a good steady job like you definitely up your chances don't get me wrong you are the, the probability of you getting a, a better job with higher wages is, is way higher but um it's just a more win now uh mentality which is which permeates our communities mm-hmm. and so like i said there's a lot of different variables yeah. but that's just kind of touching the surface of it's easy for me it's easy for it was easy for me to say like dog, you just gotta grind. Like you just gotta get there. You just gotta go. <laughs> like you just gotta. You just gotta be nonsense because that's what I did, right? Yep. Um, but and that that was my mentality. I used to tell my family that. I used to tell the kids that. Like, and it was to me irresponsible now as as a little older man to say those kind of things because when you're leaving out contextually, everything that I had uh, been privileged to have. Uh, and this is one thing I, I preach to my kids all the time is like, you are privileged. Like I didn't, like when I grew up, like we used to, like my mom used to send us hungry sometimes to bed. Like we didn't have food. Mm-hmm. Like you guys are, you guys get to pick, you have options about what to have to dinner. There was never options. Whatever was there, that's what we was eating. Like that, that's a privilege. You see these houses, like this is a privilege. I took them, I took my daughter, she's 11 years old. I took her. I took it to like some of the lower income neighborhoods in, in Houston. I was like, you see this? Like, this is where your dad grew up. Like he grew up like this and she just bewildered. She goes to a private school now. She doesn't understand. Like she didn't understand that side. And so like, I'm very, I make sure she's aware that she's privileged. Um, not to shame her for mm-hmm. her position. Cause it's not her. She was born. You're giving she a, true, born, but yeah. a true perspective of both and, sides of the yeah, coin. And the journey. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, and uh, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm allowing her to see that like what her father has done, um, uh, to help bring this family's financial trajectory into a different place, um, but in but also in doing so, like I said, when I was when I was in the league, it was more so my mindset was like, yo, you got to go get it. Like I don't want to hear all these fucking excuses. Like y'all niggas just bitching, like that type of stuff, right? I was ne- like, I was just never aware of the issues that that they faced on a day to day basis that can be debilitating, right? Mm-hmm. To where it's like, if I get a flat tire. I can call somebody up and it's it's fixed and it's no problem. It is, it is what it is, right? Yep. A flat tire can ruin somebody's month. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A flat tire mm-hmm. can be the difference between like gas money and food money. A yep. flat tire. Rent, so rent. When you, yep. Yeah, rent money. Yep. So when you compile like all of the problems that are possibly out there, you compile that with all the societal pressures. Mm-hmm. You compile that with 
with the issues that people face, you, like all of the generational trauma, like you, you compile all of this stuff, it's really easy to uh, ha not have empathy to people who are living check to check, which is the majority of America, right? Mm -hmm. And so to, 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 to answer your question, it's, it's you have to uh, 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 attack it with different mindsets. Like you, it's, a, it's a duality. So you have to attack it from the micro, which is like, like I, like I tell my brother, right, was was he was struggling, um, and I'm and I was like, listen, I don't like this current econ economic system that we live in, but it's what we live in. It's what mm -hmm. it is. If you want to get to where you want to get to in this in this society, you have to grind to the point where you're miserable. You have to do something that nobody's willing to do. You have to do it day in and day out and be dedicated to it. And it's ugly and it's disgusting and nobody's by you and it's lonely, and you have to be unhappy. Like that's what it is. But because if you don't like the the freedoms and the and the things that you want, they're just not going to be there mm -hmm. under this economic system. That's the micro, right? When you look at it from the day to day, and and you and you're really telling people how to how to make it in this country, or in this in the system. Um, but when you look at it at the macro, uh, that's when the empathy starts to come. When you start Absolutely. to throw in all of the things that 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 have transpired uh, towards people toward legislatively all of these things and all of these factors also factor into your individual life yes it's possible for you to 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 be wealthy in america but the probability of it is very it's low. low it's very low and so you have to understand your place in it yes it's, it's it's very possible but it's just not probable and so you have to be which is alludes to what we were talking about earlier you have to be content like with who you are as a human being which is when 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 moms and dads and they struggling or whoever's raising you they struggling they work on a nine to five you don't even see them that often they're frustrated they don't have the time or the energy to sit here and emotionally cater to a child like like they need it like they need to right i have that luxury but not everybody does and so we rely on school systems we rely on that's why they say it takes a village we rely on a lot of other people to help raise our kids Hey, Gerard, where did you get that T-shirt? You mean this thing? Oh, yes. I got it from CutToItPodcast.com, where we have exclusive merchandise. Shout out to our guys at 704 Shop. But yeah, you can go on, buy you a T-shirt, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough. But these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. 
the best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. I, we didn't get too much into my theological journey, but I used to be like anti-religion. I used to like despise it. But what I've come to realize is that it's not necessarily just the teachings of the religions that is important. It's the communal aspect mm. uh, for our for our up for our for our kids. Like it's 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 the it's the entire community rallying around for for a common purpose. That mm. is powerful, and I'm all for that. And I, that that was a later in life uh, realization that I had. Um, but the, 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 the key point I think is if, if we really look at things in the, like, in, like I said, in the macro, we really start to empathize with people's, uh, situation yeah. and it's not to enable them, right. It's not to say it's not your fault. Right. It's, it's to say that, yo, society has certain set of circumstances and in order to get out of those circumstances, there's certain sacrifices that have to be made. And it's catering to those, uh, emotions that come with that. And and that is where the empathy lies because there is there's a there's there's a way out right I always tell you there's a way out but it's you ain't gonna like it mm. but it but and that it, it took me years of therapy to unravel all of the shit yeah. that I had gone through in order to get to where I went through like yeah. this shit is it's shit deep is, I always tell people I used to tell people dogs like no like I have to mentally put and this is a little different because you wide receiver you never was in the trenches like that but you was way more hey, you was way more physical than a lot of the boys I will get I will get that but like when, when you in the trenches dog like I used to tell people like you I have to mentally prepare myself every game for like a possible broken body part broken mm. bone like I could see, really hurt uh, myself out see I, I have to disagree with you just because you're a wide out <laughs> actually no True. I I one of the reasons why I didn't play why I stopped playing right is I had to every week physically prepare myself for the mental anguish and and professional hate that I had for each defender that I, I went against. I built up I built up my anger every week against an opponent. I'm trying to remove him from just the roster. Like I used to call myself an assessor. <laughs> like I want to, like, you know, if you have a house, refinance. When the appraisal come, I, after I've been in there, I want them to say, nope, that it is not even livable. It is condemned. You can, and, and, and I'm saying that jokingly, but that was literally how I can't, how I, I, I tried to play, which was physically exhausting. Like you said, in that day to day, and, and, yes, and mentally, and yes, mentally, that day to day and, grind. And it's, it's almost like it's almost like 
And I had a lot of conversations with a lot of my brothers who I played with over the years, dog. And this is a real thing. It's almost, and I don't want to categorize it because I don't want to minimize what like actual uh, PTSD cats go through. But it is a form of PTSD. Oh, yeah, right? some form of it. Every form of something that you, uh, uh, where there is mental and physical trauma, especially, obviously, mental and yeah. physical, and they lead, coincide each other, there, there is yeah. some uh, post-traumatic yeah. stress. And then, go, and then going from that, from, like, being, because uh, you got to be crazy, like, you got to be crazy to do some of the shit that we did. Like, you got to be, like, it's not, it's just not, it's not saying. It's not like, normal. Really. Really trying to like, like I don't know, put my mind. It's you in a fight, like every yeah, like you in a, a real fist fight. fight. And you really willing, to, you really willing to dog, and everyone's gonna die for this shit. Like that's how you feel at the time. Well, I'm willing to kill. I'm willing to kill somebody. I don't want nobody. I'm willing to die. <laughs> yeah, that's, what I'm saying. Well, that's what I'm saying. I ain't for the die. It's like, I ain't like, trying to die. Go you, over yeah. the middle, man. I'm like, like unpacking all of that emotional, like. It's almost it's, it's performative, but it's also it's 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 for your protection. It's real life and all of that. It's yeah, not. It going. is not a. Sh- it is not a game or charade mm-hmm. for the people that yeah. who are emotionally invested in their craft. Yep. Right. And and so and so I had to I had to do a lot of like therapy to un undo a lot of that because I had to channel that energy into something else like. It's like almost I, I needed I needed an outlet to, in order to get a lot of because growing up you have a lot of anger and and and, and football was the outlet right that, yep. that's how I got that shit out like it was like I, it was a it was a safe haven it was a place where I could just I could talk shit I could be physical I could rough somebody up I can do whatever without any consequences but when you're in just the regular day that's not civilized so it's no. like but you still have that emotion up. in you that shit's still there and yeah. so you have to find a way to get that either competitive edge or that physical edge out. Um, in a healthy way. And so that's, how, that's a real thing that I think a lot of us deal with. How do you get that out now? There, I, I got I got into jujitsu. Uh, that's a really that's a really dope sport. Um, jujitsu. I still play basketball, so you know I, I get on the court, and that 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 really scratches my competitive edge because you know like I was I was one of the biggest shit talkers, so um, that that helps that helps get that out. Um, yeah, just stuff like that, man. Trying to find to get physical outlets out and. Um, and not staying dormant. I think that's so, the main so when thing. you when you retired from the NFL, you wrote, "It's hard to write those words because this game has been everything to me: my therapy, my joy, my solace, and my enemy." So reflecting back, does one of those things stand out to you more than others? Yeah, uh, well, I think just the cumulative effect of it all when something that has been the center point of your entire life and has been the driving force for you to get up at 5 30 every morning uh when that is gone you have to rediscover who you are without the the catalyst of your occupation and that is the biggest uh um hurdle i think we all as ex-professional athletes have to go through is can you have an identity uh without something that has been your identity your entire life can you i without a doubt can Mm -hmm. i think that was that was one of my gifts um for whatever reason i had was i was always kind of disassociated like anytime we we were anywhere i would never unless they like knew who i was if it was like you're aaron foster i'd be like "Mm -mm." i would never (laughs) 
I, I my, hated the attention. My, I didn't really my like. My go-to is James. Yeah, I tell you, tell people I've seen you before. Like I played chess on ESPN once. You probably see me because of that. <laughs> <laughs> just I used to just deflect. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it was just never my 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 thing. I didn't. I didn't fall in love with that. That Aaron Foster, the football player. I fell in love with. The relationships it built, I fell in love with the mm. the freedom that it gave me and, um, and the luxury that it gave me to um, explore who I am. Man, summarize your playing days in Houston, man. I enjoyed my time there, man. I think it was it's a whirlwind, right? When it when it ends, it just it's kind of like a shock, and then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, life goes on, and, and the game goes on, and the city goes on. <clears throat> uh, you make lifelong friends and bonds, and yeah. And things of that nature, but I think that it's it's just one of those things for me anyway. That seems like a lifetime ago, even though it was what four or five years ago when yeah, I retired. Yeah. Uh, it just it just seems like a lifetime ago, because when you're retired, there's no obligations. You can literally sit on your phone all day. You can play video games all day. You can travel all day. Um, and so I've taken that opportunity to really dig into who I am and to, into what I am and what kind of man I want to be. And these have been the most transformative five years of my life. And I think that's what, when I reflect on my playing days, that's really what uh, I see is I see uh, a journey and a sacrifice uh, that a young man made uh, to his older self that allowed him to really explore himself and, and, be a, a better human being for our community. Like, not to get all hallmarky, but that's. I, w- I want to get really... hall. I want you to get hallmarky because <laughs> here's the last thing I want to ask you there. And I don't even want to use your first name because I want to use your last name. Using in the South, right? What would Mister Foster, if he can go back, tell Young Foster to prepare him for life? Ooh, lot. Uh, how long? How long I got with the little homie? <laughs> well, first of all, I don't know um, who the little homie is, but talking uh, about himself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just messed with you. Yeah, no, it, I, I, man, it's just been a, it's been a, such an enjoyable conversation, bro. I, I just want, I want to, if you could play this back, I want to know what you can, what you would tell yourself. Yeah, just because, I I, because before you say it, man, it's. Growing up, we 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 felt like we had to snatch our dreams. Growing up, we we felt like we were starters, but we were sitting on the bench. Mm-hmm. Growing up, we we wanted to be influencers. We wanted to be this. You were all those things. We just didn't realize it throughout our journey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I would tell little Aaron, depending on what age. Um, I would tell him. Um, you already got it. Like you already have it, man. Everything that you love, everything that, that inspires you, you already have that shit. Um, listen to people, be humble. Uh, and, and you'll grow into what you think you can be. Uh, it isn't necessarily having shit to do with football, just in general. Like, like you got it. Like you have the tools already, like just use them. That's dope, Arian. Man, we really appreciate you taking the time to come yeah. on our podcast, man. Hey, I, I, no, man, I appreciate y'all. Man, I appreciate you, bro. It's uh, yeah, I ain't never got to tell you, man, but you you inspired the shit out of me as a kid, man. As a well, not as a kid, but like you know, as, as a young adult, uh, 
and and the way you played, the way you carried yourself, and so I, I never really, I don't think I ever really got to give you flowers, man, it's from man to man, how you how you did things, and and when I did get to bump uh, elbows with you in the league, it was it was always love, you know, you'd always show love, and yeah. so I, I highly appreciate it. Man, so. I appreciate you. I I, I was always rem- it was always remarkable watching you run, watching how you gallop, watch how you just pick that holes, and and one of the cool things is uh, you know I had the I had the unique opportunity of playing um, with with Coops in Baltimore. Oh, yeah. And it was interesting Coops. because I was on that, uh, you know, I didn't really care. And mm-hmm. so that, and you know, he really does not like conflict. Yeah. And so it was interesting because I was Mr. Conflict. I, you know, if I wasn't getting my touches, I'd, I'd ask him like, hey, you got a problem with me? And, you know, no, nah, bud, you nah, know, bud, you know. You with the bud. First of all, <laughs> so. if you bud me off the, the first conversation after a question, I know you're full of shit, right? <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> right, but and, and just saying that, you know, we don't really realize as players how much power influence we really have. Mm-hmm. We allow the coaches to believe that we actually don't. And um, and Baltimore was one of the places where you realize you had it, and so they made it very apparent. So the, in Baltimore, they gave you rope to do two things: swing or hang yourself. Mm-hmm. And so you, you you had that power, right? You had the power because you either were successful or you got cut, and the only person you had to blame is yourself. Mm-hmm. And so it was just remarkable if I go back and just in a football aspect for you to pick up that offense and the way it was picked up and allowing that system to benefit you, but you also mastering that system. It's one thing you can be productive in a system, but to master to where the next guy does not have the same kind of success in that system, man, requires a lot, man. And, and, and it was just really cool as I go back and look at playing in the system and then go back and looking at all the people that played in it. The people who were successful, like you, Andre, Kevin Walters, there's a lot of other guys, uh, OD, man, it's remarkable. But there's so many other guys – that weren't as successful because they did yeah. not master their craft. And you didn't get a lot of credit, bro. You didn't get a lot of credit. And you, 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 I give you your flowers. You, you did a, you did a great job, man. And again, hated playing against you just because of the way you galloped <laughs> and just, you hit that zone, uh, outside zone and cut it back. And it was like, damn, and he just be just like galloping, just strutting. Yeah. Like he ain't moving. So, uh, man, I appreciate you, brother. That's for sure. You are a unique person. You are well worth it. You are competent. And most of all, you're lovable. I'm Steve Smith Sr. I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr. That is me. Is a production of Cut To It. LLC, Balto Creative Media, The Black Effect, and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From Cut To It, executive producer Steve Smith Sr., co-host Gerard Littlejohn, talent and booking manager Joe Fushi, social media team Wesley Robinson and John Show From Balto Creative Media, Cut to it is produced by Brian Baltashevich and Meredith Carter. 
with production assistance by Alex Labreck, production coordinator Taylor Robinson. Theme music by Alex Johnson, lyrics and vocals by Anthony Hamilton. If you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR. 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details.